Thanks for tuning in. You're listening to the King Street Podcast. Well, hey, friends, my name is Matt, and this podcast exists to help you glorify God and enjoy Him forever. It's a gift from our church to you. And today I'm joined by a buddy of mine, uh, Lee Calicut. How's it going, man? Man, doing good. Thanks for having me, bro. Absolutely. And Lee is uh, the pastor of Grace Hill Church in Pittsburgh, North Carolina. And so he has been so kind to drive uh, down to Winston today in order to record this podcast. So I appreciate How long of a drive was it? Took me about an hour and 15. That's not so bad. No, not bad. Man, uh, Lee, Lee and I go back uh, maybe, is it two years now? Yeah, a little over now. Like what, is Jan- January of 18? Uh, yeah, yeah. No, no, I think you're right. So January of 2018, and uh, we were in a training together um, for the Baptist State Convention. And just in that time together, we realized that we were like-minded in several ways. And I was excited about his church. He was excited about hours and uh we've we've kicked it off ever since and so what 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 really was happening is matt was i'll tell on you on your old podcast you know you were a troublemaker (laughs) and i was like and i and i had you back pretty much yeah i was (laughs) i I was voicing my opinions (laughs) and letting them uh be made known um and we uh in in the hallway afterwards you actually pulled me aside because i because i felt alone uh, alone we won't go into too much detail there but but i felt alone in the room and um you pulled me aside and uh and let me know that you were on my team. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. so uh, now Lee's been a great friend. Uh, we've been praying for your church um, on occasion on Sunday mornings. Uh, just, you know, really excited. I think I think those who are listening, uh, members of King Street, as well as those who aren't members of King Street, would love to hear a little bit about your church from you directly and, um, how, you know, how you guys started and, and, and where you guys are now, how you guys are, are faring during this COVID-19 crisis and everything. How's... Tell us a little bit about Grace Hill. Yeah, so we we started off just, you know, in 2018 with some Bible studies and all, and the Lord's been really kind throughout the whole process and uh, had some Bible studies on Monday evening, and then, you know, we moved to Sunday afternoon. The Lord just kept bringing folks, and um, by September of that year, we started some Sunday morning worship services and, and doing some um, things like that, progressing in those ways. And just ever since... Um, We've continued to um, grow, and Lord's provided um, a lot of great godly people. Uh, we've seen uh, folks get saved, have had some baptisms, and and all. And so it's been it's been really really awesome. We meet um, right now. We were meeting in uh, a county building, the old ag agricultural building there mm-hmm. in, in Chatham County. Uh, they're in Pittsburgh, and. Um, but you know, with the everything going on right now, we've been doing live streaming and doing some things like that. Uh, but this Sunday, well, I guess not. This Sunday, we're recording anyway. We're we're we'll actually do an right. outdoor, our first outdoor service, and try to move and progress toward um, getting back to kind of more of normal gatherings. I guess mm-hmm. is what we could say. But um, overall, for the past couple of years, you know, we just have a mission um, in Pittsburgh to. Um, be a community on mission that's transformed by the gospel and we want to take the gospel not only to pittsburgh but to the ends of the earth and our our mission there is to plant more churches in chatham county that's one of our um 
you know, strategic uh, plans that, I mean, obviously the yeah. Lord can, can move differently, but uh, we want to plan a lot of gospel preaching churches um, that care about reaching the lost in Chatham County and then continue to spread out and just see what the Lord does. But yeah, that's, that's where we are. You know, Lord's been, like I said, Lord's been kind. His, his hand of provision has been there um, mm. all the way as it always is. And so, yeah. You guys have uh, multiple elders right now. It's you and one other brother, right? Yeah. We, we, right now we have uh, myself and then pastor Spencer, who is um, an elder. We're both on staff right now. Okay. And then and how uh, does he like working with you? He probably hates it. No, <laughs> <laughs> no he's a dear friend. Yeah. Um, we actually kicked around the church planning ball for a long time, probably really since 2010, and the Lord just never really opened any doors that way, uh, opportunity for ministry and, and church planning. Uh, prior to this, I was a pastor at another church, started mm-hmm. off as associate and then the senior pastor there. Um, he was kind of a youth pastor, associate pastor type of role at his previous church, and then just kind of back in 17, summer 17, we just kind of made a phone call. It was like, yeah, we are we ready for this? And, hmm. We just, uh, Lord provided these, these doors to walk through. And so that's what, that's what we did. But yeah, him and then y'all pray for us folks, you know, as you continue to pray for us and think about our church, we, uh, I just finished up a sermon series on church elders and, uh, walked through some of the main passages. Yeah, I think I saw there. you, I think I saw that on social media. Yeah. And it was, um, I think very edifying, very fruitful for our, for our folks. But, uh, um, so God has gifted the church with some some other men that we believe are are qualified to be elders. So we're just walking through that process, adding uh, adding some some non vocational elders to the mm-hmm. mix. And because uh, yeah, right now staff wise, you know, Spencer is the pastor for discipleship, and I kind of handle the the preaching and the teaching. That's my title, I guess, or whatever right, is pastor right. for preaching and teaching. So on a on a normal basis, if I'm coming to Grace Hill Church, um, both of you guys are are leading certain elements of that service, but you'll probably be preaching. Odds are. Yeah. I mean, obviously um, we have uh Spencer preaches. We have another brother um, named Nick. He, he does some preaching for us too, but for right, right now, because um, just where we are, we, we don't have a Sunday school or adult education right now or Sunday evening service. We do small groups and kind of one main service on Sunday with just contextually where we are. Um, hmm. So, Probably I preach about 90% of the time right now. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. And um, so the hope is, the prayer is that you know a thing or two about preaching. Not only for your people, uh, as you're standing up and and, and obviously, you know, uh, I think expounding God's Word, um, you know, in all seriousness, I've I've been able to listen to um, several of your messages, and I think they've been encouraging. I think you're... um, um, a great example of um, faithful gospel preaching. And whether it's even in some of the more topical sermons you're doing where you're faithfully expounding you know, the text or you're walking through, I think you guys are going through the Gospel of John, was that right? Yeah, we just finished up uh, Sunday before last. We finished up John. We were in there for a couple of years with breaks in between. You know, We broke it up with some, some like a marriage series, and then like we yeah. broke it up with Haggai and stuff. But uh, yeah, we just finished up John, and then now we're in a three-week series in Habakkuk right mm. now. Yeah, no, that's great. And and I have, you know, that's that's one of the reasons why I wanted to have you on is to talk about this issue of preaching, not just from the pastor's perspective and the pastor's role, but also uh, the congregation's role, because there's this preaching event, right, that's happening that takes place week in and week out where 
you are declaring God's word. And my assumption is you have your members in mind when you're preparing God's word and then you're standing up and preaching to them. Um, right? Is that true? I mean, you, you have these people, you have faces and names in your heart and your mind as you are preparing and actually standing up and and delivering this message from this text to God's people. Absolutely. You know, I think faithful pastoral preaching is one that has those faces in mind. I have my membership directory with my Bible, you know, praying through mm. and thinking about all the different um, life circumstances that the folks at Grace Hill are in. And I'm like, you know, to preach pastorally, you have to smell like your sheep and you have to know what they're going through in order to exhort and to apply the text in a biblically faithful way that is also pastoral and shepherding people in the midst of what they're going through. And you can't do that to, to blank faces. You know, you have to do yeah. that with with people who, who are people you know, mm-hmm. people you've been praying for, uh, real people with real issues that have real struggles, uh, you know, the folks that go through depression and anxiety. How does this text apply to them? The single mom, the person with the child who's sick or the parent who just died. I mean, those are all sorts of things we have to be thinking through as we mm-hmm. prepare um, to be faithful, not only expositors, but faithful Pastors, pastors and she- shepherds, absolutely. That's a really good point. So what do you have in mind, I guess, you know, as you're standing up on a weekly basis, as you're in your study preparing God's Word, it might be helpful for members of Kings Tree Church to know, members of Grace Hill who are who are listening in. Um, it might be helpful to know that you're not just on your high horse doing something that you love. This isn't just a Lee Calicut show. This isn't just a Matt Speaks show. There's a purpose, right? There's an aim. There's a goal to our preaching for our people. And um, it might be helpful for them to kind of hear what that is. Yeah. You know, one, I think kind of really back to the previous answer, too, is always thinking about your preaching ministry as an extension of your pastoral ministry. And always thinking in those terms that I'm shepherding these people in it. And I think the goal, um, well, one, the the primary, the preeminent goal of preaching is the, the glory of God. And, and as we display His glory, exalt, magnify the name of the Lord Jesus Christ— um, the the overall, I guess, strategic plan of the preaching ministry is for the people at Grace Hill to love God to mm-hmm. a higher degree and to love others to a higher degree, and I think that is the overall aim. You know, if I'm if I'm at Grace Hill for forty years preaching, mm-hmm. that the people who sat under the ex expositional ministry there would able would be able to look back and say, I love God more. I love his gospel Hmm. more because of the preaching ministry. Um, The kid who's in the congregation that maybe will grow up there, who's five right now, and when I stop preaching or I die or whatever, he'll say, you know, Pastor Lee's preaching helped me to cherish and treasure Christ. That's really good. Well, I think that's really helpful thinking about that kid that's growing up 
in your church, hearing faithful preaching um, week in and week out. And I think there's so much, Lee, about our preaching that can model for young minds and young hearts, not only in the things we say, but even in the way we say it, that displays to children and displays to God's people a little taste of what God is like. Um, not because we're spitting image, right? Yeah. But because, uh, well, let me just put it this way. I remember John Piper and one, um, it might have been an Asking Pastor John episode or something, and he was talking about preaching and what good preaching is and what faithful preaching is, and he talks about the tone of the preacher and how there can be something really strange and weird about preaching a a serious text or a text that should bring us to tears. Mm-hmm. If you're talking about eternal punishment, right? Mm-hmm. And you're doing it with a smile on your face. Yeah. Oh, just what a what a horrible picture that can be at times to our folks. And so not only just I'm thinking about that child, I mean how much is that kid going to learn from the preaching ministry, watching this man of God, not only imitating you as a person, but then also hearing you open up God's Word faithfully every week, week in, week out, proclaiming the Bible. That's extremely important, extremely powerful. And if I'm a parent, mm-hmm. I want to subject my children yeah. to a faithful expositor of God's word where it's evident that this man loves the Lord. He loves God's people. Absolutely. Um, you know, I think in thinking of these terms and just thinking about that child, you know, too, also we are commissioned as a church to, to make disciples. And that is one of the primary means in which God has given us to make disciples. And mm. I know I talk to young families all the time and they want to know, um, and and I'm not um, degrading this or anything, but they want to know like what the nursery is like or what the children's ministry is mm. like, and those are um, relevant questions. You know, we want you want your child to be safe, and you know, you want to make sure they're taken care of. Um, and as people look for churches, they often uh, those are the first questions they ask. Though, is what is the children's ministry like, or what mm. is the music ministry like, and uh, but really, the first one of the first questions we should be asking is, "What is the preaching ministry like?" Hmm. Because my child's not going to be a child forever, and they're going to be an adult one day. And do I want them to have a few fun years in a children's ministry, right? Or do I want them to sit under the faithful exposition of God's word for the potentially the rest of their life. Yeah. And I think those are, we're so short-sighted, even, um, uh, you know, when, when we think about just everything, you know, we're just right here, right now, but um, sitting under that long-term exposition is one of the most healthiest things a Christian can do for, for their growth and for men leading their families to get into mm-hmm. a church that is faithfully expositing the scripture 
Yeah, maybe maybe expand on that a little bit. Why why is it so important? If I'm evaluating this church and um, why is it important that the preaching of God's word, the faithful preaching of God's word, be really sort of at the top of the totem pole of the things that I consider? What is it about preaching that's so important? Why is it that that's one of the most important things we can subject ourselves to over the you know over the long call? Not not just one Sunday, but year after year after year after year of hearing God's word preached. Why why is that such an important thing for Christians to consider? Because we think about God's chosen means of sanctification and of growth. And one of his means of grace in the life of the Christian is preaching. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, the, that foolishness of preaching, as 1 Corinthians 1 would, would talk about. I was just about to go there. God finds, finds that it's wise to save people through the foolish message that is preached. Mm-hmm. I mean, you break down... You, you break it down and you think, okay, God uses a foolish method, right, preaching. It's basically one guy, mm-hmm. and we both preach. It's a weak man. It's a man who in and of himself has no ability to change anybody. It's true. And uh, he uses a foolish method and a foolish messenger. <laughs> and, right. And, you know. Paul he, came in weakness. Paul came in weakness, right, and and so that the God's strength could be displayed, His power to be displayed, and really a foolish meth- message as well. You know, you think about is the Christ crucified as a stumbling block, uh, you know, and folly to the world, and mm. and so we stand up here and we proclaim Christ crucified um, week in and week out for our people, and it's God's means of grace to grow people and to save people because it displays. His glory and the power of His gospel to save sinners. Yeah. I mean, I think of 1 Corinthians 2, here's Paul writing to this church, My message, my preaching, were not in persuasive words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, so that your faith would not rest on the wisdom of men, but on the power of God. Um, How can I tell, if I'm a member of a church and I'm listening to this preaching, how can I tell whether or not this is done in demonstration of the spirit and of power? Because I think a lot of times, um, I think sometimes there's this picture or this thought in our mind that if it's being done in power, that means the pastor is really getting into it. I mean, he's sweating, he's got a rag, he's wiping the sweat off, he's screaming, he's yelling, it's fire and brimstone. That's the example of power. I mean, how can I know if I'm sitting there whether or not this message is delivered by this weak man, but it's being delivered in this, in, in the power of the Spirit. Yeah, I th- you know the um, you think about like passages in John that uh, he's God is looking for worshipers who worship Him in spirit and in truth. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Spirit guides us into all truth, and we are guilty, especially I think in my context, my ministry context. People can be so guilty of equating. Uh, spitting and sweating as passionate, powerful preaching, and mm. it's really superficial or it's emotionalism. Um, so where has God invested His power? You mm. know, and it's in the proclamation of the gospel. It's in His Word. It's in the truth that um, God comes in power and and by His Holy Spirit. Um, mm. Uh, working and quickening and applying uh, the the words of life to the hearers and yeah and so when people come and ask me okay 
I'm looking for church. What do I look for in the preaching? Like, how can I tell this is biblically faithful and that the Spirit of God is working? Um, I don't think the barometer is not how you feel it even impacts you on a given Sunday because, um, you know, some guys can, you know, you know, emotions are a strong thing and mm-hmm. we can, uh, like I said, equate that to the power, but really what we see is it's in truth. And I, I would think what you would look for is, is one, just an accurate uh, interpretation of the scripture. You know, does what the preacher say, say, does he preach the text? I mean, cause yeah. that's the, that's the scripture is, is the truth and where God has put in his words of life and revealed his character and revealed the gospel and so we look for a preacher who doesn't preach about the text or even on the text. We look for preachers who preach the text mm. and and that he says what it says and it means what it means. And right. so um, proper exegesis, you know, proper interpretation mm-hmm. are all things to look for because if we don't the text right, the preaching will be devoid of all power because the Spirit of God and the truth of the Scripture are tied together. You can't separate right. the Holy Spirit and the author of Scripture from the truth of it. And so we, the more accurate the interpretation, you know, the Spirit of God is going to work in yeah. that. Yeah. Um, and with that, just thinking about crafting a sermon and um, how we package one, not only is accurate interpretation the most important thing, but you know all the points in which we would make as an expositor must be derived from the text. Hmm. Um, that if we're not doing that, that means we're deviating right. from the Scripture. And so realizing that our job is to preach the text. Yeah. And, and there may be actually, you know, to the point, because one of the things that I think I try to do for members of King Street Church, and hopefully members of King Street Church pick up on this, I, I, I try to make it clear where it is that I will point to, this is where we're getting it from in the text, actually quoting the verse and saying what passage, you know, what verse it's in, quoting sections of it, not just hoping that you remembered it when we read it the first time through, but but going the extra mile and showing folks where this is coming from in the Bible, and then being clear, because there might be something helpful you can say that's an implication of the text, but it's not necessarily the point of the text, mm-hmm. and and making that clear and saying, you know, here's one implication that this might make us think of, or because I would say that just opening up the if if the passage is just on a certain topic and then we we use that verse as a trampoline to start bouncing off onto all other types of topics, that's not necessarily preaching that particular text. Mm-hmm. Like we were in First Thessalonians uh, four, thirteen through eighteen, and it's talking about Jesus um, returning, mm-hmm. and that the Lord Himself will descend. Um, we could have taken that passage and uprooted it out of its context and started going into every other passage in the Bible that talks about the return of Christ. Mm -hmm. That's not necessarily what Paul is doing there. 
What Paul's doing there in verse 13, he's, saying, he's, he's comforting those who are grieving and telling them to not grieve like those who don't have hope. Mm-hmm. And at the end, he says in verse 18, therefore comfort one another. So he's teaching this section to the Thessalonians for the sake of comfort mm. in the midst of their yeah. grievances. And so it's not just a passage about the return of the Lord Jesus. It's a passage about the return of the Lord Jesus for a particular aim and purpose. And we want to, we want to get that right too, and not, just, and not just take the purpose for which Paul wrote it and, and not even address it just mm. because we want to talk about the return of Christ now. Yeah. And then how much deeper and richer is the application of the text when mm. you actually derive your application based upon the immediate context of that passage? You know, I, I, I've been guilty, and I'm sure all of us have been guilty of kind of rushing to application um, yeah. because, you know, we do hear so often, well, give me something to apply. I want, you know, to put something into action. But, you know, if we rush to application without actually rooting it in the immediate context of the passage, hmm. we lose out on the deep, rich, robust, spirit-intended application of the yeah. text. Yeah, no, that's great. I actually had one brother uh, mention in one of our little Bible studies, I, I don't think he'd mind us uh, sharing on here, um, that he had been think. you know, like a lot of people do, it's it can be fun to speculate about that topic, right? The mm-hmm. return of Christ, mm-hmm. um, and uh, actually reading it for what it was put there for in First Thessalonians four really changed his mind about this. Yeah, it's not there just to debate. It's not there just to have a topic, but actually seeing it rooted in its context, and that Paul's talking about something for the purpose of comfort. This was the first time, if, if, if you just treat 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 13 through 18, for what it is and why Paul put it there, not just a springboard off of it to talk about a, you know, a topic that it, it addresses, you start to see why it is that Paul even included it in this letter, and it was for the sake of comfort. And uh, th- this brother shared with us, for the first time I started thinking about this topic in relation to how I ought to comfort brothers and sisters who are mm. grieving with the hope of this. And it's the first time he'd seen that. And my guess is maybe it was one of the first times that chapter 4, verses 13 through 18 was really opened up for, for what it is and why it was placed there, and not just used as a proof text on the topic of Christ's return. Mm-hmm. And, and and that's just a that's just one example, but we can do that for any text. Mm-hmm. You know, like why is Paul talking about love and First uh, Corinthians thirteen. Why is Paul talking about this thing in that in that passage? Understanding the text in light of its context is so important. Well, I think that's why it's so um, essential too, and that's why I'm so convicted to be an expositor and uh, to do expository preaching. Because you think about even the you know the etymology of the word expository. <laughs> you know, you think yeah. about what it even means. What it means to expose? Correct. And and I have nothing to say apart from what God has said. Mm. All good, faithful, expository preaching is thus saith the Lord. Yep. And that is why we should be convicted to be expositors because we're exposing the meaning and application of the text by being faithful to it. It's not Matt's idea. It's not Lee's ideas. It's not what I think you need to hear. No, this is what God has said mm. and wrote for his people. And, and, you know, there's so many implications of that statement, but it just shows a high view of Scripture that we really believe in the, the inspiration and the inerrancy of the Scripture, the authority of the Scripture, the sufficiency of the Scripture, because 
I have nothing to say hmm. apart from what God has said. Yeah. Because my my people, as an under shepherd of the great shepherd, they don't need me. You know, they don't need my thoughts. <laughs> they don't. They don't need my ideas. They need you and I are to see Christ. Yep, that's right. Absolutely. But Jesus Christ is not, and we Correct. must point point people to Him through through the Scripture, pointing it and pointing it all to Him. So, so I'm coming to your church. I'm coming to King Street Church. I'm a I'm a I'm a member. Um, maybe I'm thinking about joining. Let's just assume I'm a member of you know of one of our churches, and I come on Sunday morning. I know that God's word is going to be opened up, and to the best of your ability to the best of my ability, faithfully proclaimed. Um, what should I be expecting from that hour? Because I, I ask that question because I think I have the tendency. I don't know if you have the tendency. But I think there is a temptation in our culture today to have information overload. And faithfulness can oftentimes be marked by how much of the Bible you read, because we're talking about Bible intake here. Faithfulness can often be, in our culture, misconstrued for how much do you read, how much do you take in. Uh, Let me just give an example. Maybe I come to a church, and and that church is trying to find a way to evaluate if people are growing in the faith, okay? Mm -hmm. Okay. and so what we do is we have a Bible study that we go through. Maybe we order some curriculum or something like that. And the goal is to take everybody through that curriculum. And once we get through that curriculum, once we're done with it, then we can check off the box and say, we have taught people this. People have learned that. They have grown in their faith. Um, I think that's a very shallow way mm-hmm. to evaluate holiness. Yes. Because the goal here is Holiness, that Mm -hmm. people would treasure Christ and that they would glorify Him with their lives, Mm -hmm. everything from what they believe to what they do with their hands. And so I want to not give a picture to our people that the mark of holiness is how much you know and how much you go from Sunday to now Monday you're reading something else, Tuesday you're listening to another sermon that you found mm-hmm. online, Wednesday you're doing this, and that means the more and more and more you're consuming, the stronger of a Christian you're becoming. And my caution with that, Lee, and I'd love to hear you speak to this, is that what are we doing with the things we're hearing? Yeah. So help me navigate as a Christian. I don't just want to consume a bunch of stuff throughout the week, and by doing so, forget what I heard on Sunday, fail to apply it, fail to pray over it, fail to encourage other brothers and sisters in Christ. So so what should I be expecting from that hour on Sunday morning, and how can I make sure I get the most out of it and, and capture um, a taste of what God wants for me now in my life instead of just going on to the next thing? That was a long question. <laughs> yeah, that was yeah. Uh, that might be a Guinness World Record. I was going to say it's, we, we'll have to go back and time, time that one. I'll get my stopwatch. <laughs> no, nah, um, no, nah, you, you, you know, kind of to the initial point is I can preach. Let's say just as an example, I can preach a marriage sermon, right? You know, just mm-hmm. take Ephesians five or whatever, just something about applying it to the to a marriage, and I can. 
explain the principles to a husband and say, you're to love Christ, or you're supposed to love your wife like Christ loved the church, you know, laying down your life for your wife. Now, if he knows that, but never actually loves her like Christ mm-hmm. loves the church, then we're failing in our discipleship, and he's failing in his holiness. You know, it, it's that it's not that you just know you ought to; it's that you do do it. Um, James one, you know, twenty two. It says, "But be doers of the word." and not hearers only deceiving yourself. Hmm. And sometimes what, especially in our circles, right? Where, you know, sometimes you give 45, 50 minute long expositions and, you know, people equate um, or substitute. I know more about said topic. I can quote church fathers. I can, Hmm. I know church history of, I've read the best and greatest books that are out. But yet their love for Christ doesn't increase or their holiness doesn't increase. And that's that's deceiving yourself to think that you're growing just because you're consuming information. But even the goal of preaching or the, you know, as we're talking about this Bible intake, even as an expositor, the goal of information or the goal of preaching is not information, it's transformation mm, that is predestined us to be conformed to the image of a son and we are to be holy as he is holy. And um, so how does that, how do you, as a listener, thinking about it from the listener's perspective, how do I come in and like actually have the preaching go from information to transformation? Um, because you know, I think about a passage, verse like Luke 8, 18, you know, be, be careful, um, consider carefully how you listen, right? And yeah. Um, because, you know, because I always say, too, we got a lot of note takers in our congregation. I think, you know, there's nothing wrong with taking notes. Uh, but even in every sermon, I think there needs to be a point where the pen goes down and the eyes go up. It's not a lecture. It's not a lecture. It's it's God has something to say. And I think, I think for listeners, we can come in and instead of thinking I'm going to be taught something— and take something home, even in an intellectual, cognitive way. It's like, no, God's speaking to me. Wow. And he's He's going to have something to say to me as his child um, to love him more and cherish him more. And I think the practical way in which listeners could come in and, and go from information to transformation would be just to be an engaged listener, like, yeah, like, yeah, take the notes, but also say, what is God saying to me hmm. in this means of grace, this kind, gracious means of grace of preaching that he has given to me for my own sanctification, for my holiness? And um, I think coming in and expecting God to speak, because, you know, if the preacher is preaching the text, then God is speaking. Right. Um, he's revealing what God has said. And so how could we not be engaged and come with expecting to hear from God? That's good. That's very helpful. So there's a preparatory aspect of that. I'm coming expectant. Yeah. I'm, I'm coming expecting to hear from God, assuming that the man preaching loves the Lord mm-hmm. and is opening up the text and not just sharing his opinions. Yeah. 
but is declaring, proclaiming what, what God says. Mm-hmm. Um, I think about what Paul says in Colossians 1, 28 and 29, mm-hmm. we proclaim him, admonishing every man, teaching every man with all wisdom so that we may present every mm-hmm. man complete in Christ. Yeah. For this is the purpose I labor. Yep. And uh, I, th- I think that's hopefully the goal of our preaching. Mm-hmm. And it's important that members of our churches know that because we're not just standing up and doing a thing. Mm-hmm. There's a purpose and there's an aim with preaching that is to see lives changed, mm-hmm. um, to see people treasure Christ more, to see people live for him with, with all their life, um, to love him above everything else. And that's the aim and the goal of preaching, to, yeah. to present everyone complete in Christ on that last yeah, day. That's right. And, you know, I, I, my in that passage in my Bible, in the margin, I actually have jotted down preaching Christ matures, like, because that's... Mm. And, you know, that's, like you said, the aim and the goal here is the glory of God through the salvation and sanctification of sinners um, through His Son and by the power of His Spirit. You know, if you don't mind, I, I wanted to tell, sure. just just touch on that preparation that the listener, like some practical things there. Yeah, because like, I'm down for that. You know, I think, I think sometimes we can go Sunday to Sunday as a hearer. I know I was guilty of it. And you come in. And you, you don't think about the sermon. Hmm. Um, perhaps you did think it was boring or dry or whatever the case may be. But if you come in expecting to hear from God, how could it be boring hmm. and dry? You know, it's like God speaking here. But I think from Sunday and to Sunday— just to say, there are—just to be yes, fair— yes. There can be a boring sermon. <laughs> no, absolutely. Let's yeah, yeah. No, I've preached a few, and then I've listened to a few. No, there are just let's just be straight up. There are some bad sermons that like right. that are hard to listen to, and there are guys that aren't as gifted. And, um, and we should try not to just yeah, yeah. show off rhetorical yeah. skills, yes, but to try to eliminate ourselves yeah. from the equation in such a way that we're not a distraction to what God's That's saying right. in the text. And, right. and being super boring, yeah. super monotone yeah. can, can be a distraction. So, That's right. so I just want to be fair to the, if you've yes. ever heard, if you've ever heard a boring sermon, even from me, it doesn't necessarily mean that, uh, you don't value the That's preaching right. or that you didn't even grow from from that yeah. sermon. So yeah. just wanted to clarify. Yes, yeah, that's good. Yeah, no, I'm I've glad, done yeah. some of those, and, I, and I by your to. own admission, yeah. you have to. Yeah, so so this, there are, we really do preach boring sermons. It's not your fault <laughs> you know, that they're boring. <laughs> but but sometimes, you know, it's it, it, what what we, I think even even if that's true, right, it's, a, it's truly a boring sermon. I think... We, you know, praying for the preacher, praying for your pastors each week from Sunday to Sunday. Don't just dump the sermon on Monday and then just wait again till the next Sunday to hear another another sermon. I think week to week, you know, you're praying for the pastor. You're praying for yourself that God, through his spirit, would work through the preaching event. You know, Martin Luther used to pray, you know, Lord, teach me, teach me, teach me, you know, each each week. And, you know, I think we... we we pray leading up to the week, but I also too something that I don't think we maybe teach our congregations enough, or something that's not talked about is, you know, the Puritans used to call the Lord's Day the market day of the soul, and huh. um, and so we go to the market, you know, gathering what we need for that week, you know, and so in some sense, the preaching of God's word is 
is gathering some of the things that we need for the mm-hmm. week as we go to that market day of the soul. But going to the market day, going to Lord's Day, doesn't start Sunday morning. You're preparing yourself Saturday night even, you know, and you're you're preparing your heart, you're preparing your mind that, you know, don't don't stay up late on Saturday. You know, just these practical things because, you know what, I'm going to meet God tomorrow morning, you know, and I, I don't want to be tired. I don't want to be drained. I, I, I want to do the things necessary to prep my mind, my life, my family, my heart for the next day. I mean, I, you know, you think about like I remember growing up the first day of school. You know, what would I do the very first day of school? I was pumped. I was excited. Uh, I'd set out my... I was the opposite. Uh, the opposite. Well, you know, I'd, that set, made me sound kind of nerdy, right? I was so <laughs> excited for school uh, in my in my younger days, you know. But uh, no, this was in seminary, you know, I'm just like, no, just, okay. just setting out my clothes for the next day. No, not really. Um, <laughs> so... I remember like, you know, you set out your clothes, you have your book backpack, you know, it's like you can't even sleep. You know, I was like, I'm going to school the next day. And I would do all these things. Well, you know, you think about the Lord's day, like I'm going Hmm. to meet with God tomorrow. And so let's do the necessary preparations to be ready to meet with him, with his people gathered. And I think that would go a long way to just receiving God's word in a transformative way is not only what we do on the back end of hearing a sermon, but what we do on the front end of hearing one. Yeah, that's good. There should be this expectation, right? When we come together as God's people to hear a sermon, I I have this little joke and I might stop telling it because <laughs> I've maybe I've maybe said it a, a, a grand total of 30 times in my life and I, I can count on one hand how many times someone's laughed about it and so um, but I always say this thing you know of course if a tree falls in the woods and no one's around to hear it you know did it make a sound I always say this thing if if a preacher preaches in the woods and no one's around to hear it was it a sermon yeah did he preach and what I mean by that is, the preaching event requires that there's an audience. Mm-hmm. You're preaching not to trees. Yeah. Like, like if you rehearse your sermon the Saturday night before, if you're going over notes and stuff, I don't think you're preaching. No. But when you stand up on Sunday morning and deliver it to a group of people, now you're preaching. Yeah. And... Um, so long as it's faithfully, you know, yeah. preaching the text and 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 being a herald for what God's of what God says, so that assumes that there must be an audience, and that assumes that God shows up in a special kind of way when His word is delivered to a by a specific person to a specific group of people at a specific time. Mm-hmm. And so the reason I, I I preface this question with that information there and everything you've been talking about this expectation. Is there something different that I should expect as a congregant, as a member of a church, when I come to be with God's people to hear his word preached by a specific person who who is a pastor of this church preaching to this specific group of people on this day, as opposed to listening to a sermon on a podcast that was preached 20 years ago to another group of people at a different time, and as opposed to reading a book that is helpful. And even even if we read that book together. I think absolutely so. I think I, now I listen to sermons all the time. I listen to podcasts all the time. I read these good books. Um, but even like, so 
just for example, we were we've been live streaming our sermons, and I'm recording it, and I'm like preaching into a camera, right? But mm-hmm. it's not really preaching. Like it's it's just different because in the preaching event, there there's a dynamic between the preacher and the hearer. There's a there's these pliable moments that you just can't replicate preaching into a a camera or even a live stream. Right. And as much as I love to hear old sermons and all that, and I do that as well, We sh- there is something unique, there is something special about the church being gathered with a man, the man of God, standing with an open Bible, preaching um, to people. Because the sermon, you know, I talk about like writing sermons or prepping sermons. Well, you're not really, you know, the sermon's not a sermon until the sermon's preached. Mm-hmm. You know, that's when, it, and, and there's something special, something unique about being there under the Word of God. That's why a guy like Martin Lloyd-Jones was adamant against recording. He didn't want his sermons He, he didn't recorded. want his sermons He finally recorded. gave in, or, yeah. or maybe it was secretly well, you know, they, recorded. They, tri- they actually they said that, uh, <laughs> I've, I've heard one time where his deacons um, said that they needed to amplify his voice for some of the older people in the congregation, mm. and they did, but they also recorded him while they did it, <laughs> and uh, he just finally gave in. But yeah, like... And and I'm not saying it's sinful or wrong to record. Right. I mean, we've been helped by. Yeah, yeah. I've personally been helped by Absolutely. Martin Lloyd Jones sermons. Absolutely, you know, he's one of the most influential preachers in my life. Uh, and you know, he he died before I was even born. You know, mm-hmm. but you get to hear him. And but then I also think, man, just imagine actually being there. Like how you know, and but but you know, I'm, I'm and someone him knowing you. Yeah, and him he, knowing, he knows your yeah. face and. You know, may, maybe not directly all the time because, you know, we're speaking to a group of people, not just one individual, but in some way, shape, form, or fashion. Yeah. You're on his heart and on his mind as mm-hmm. he's preparing that sermon. It, the applications that he's going to give, mm-hmm. uh, the emphasis he puts on certain things mm-hmm. are going to be tailor-made for you. Yeah. That he didn't even, not saying he wouldn't say those same words to an audience 30 years later or to you today, yeah. but... There's the, there is a special, unique thing that's happening. Even if we read a book together, that's mm-hmm. still not the same to me as us being in the in the room together, where the preaching event is taking place, and that preaching event is God's word, not just being talked about, not just being taught on, not just giving suggestions and opinions and different approaches to the text, but where God's word is preached mm-hmm. and we're and we're sitting under the authority of the scriptures. Yeah. There's something that you cannot replicate. You know, even though we record and put the sermon audio of the sermons online, like I know sometimes I'll talk to a buddy, maybe a pastor friend, and we all understand, but they're like, how'd service go? And it's like Man, sometimes they're like you just in that moment, like you know, like the spirit of God is among us, hmm. and it doesn't matter what I say. And like, oh man, it was a great service, you know, Lord work. It's not like being there, you know, and just um, communing with God and His people under the Word. Yeah, yeah. that's really really good. Mm-hmm. In light of that, how I can prepare coming forward getting ready to receive God's Word. I'm preparing Saturday night. In light of preparing Saturday night, in light of preparing Sunday morning, what can I do after the sermon's been preached? I'm going to lunch with church members. I'm going home with my family that evening. 
sitting at the dinner table with my wife or, or you know, my, my husband and my children. Um, and then I wake up the next morning, it's Monday. What can I do post, post receiving the sermon to take the text from just being something we've heard preached to, and hopefully, by the way, the preaching event itself was something that was worshipful. Yes. And hopefully there was some meditation and worshiping and rejoicing and going on in our hearts then. Mm-hmm. But how can I continue that um, Sunday evening, Monday morning, and help promote it with other brothers and sisters in the church? Um, yeah, you know, first we're assuming the faithful exposition, right? The pastor correct. is going to ask, he's going to answer these questions. What does the text say and what does the text mean? And hopefully there is... What does it ask me to do? Well, yeah, hopefully there is... So what to the sermon where, okay, it says that it means that. So, and he provides exhortation, challenge, convictional statements, application. Hmm. But I think on the back end of hearing a sermon, what a listener can do. And I think this can be applied across the board is ask one simple question every week is what does the text require of me? And that takes it from ethereal, that takes it from principle to where it says, okay, let's go back to that marriage example. All right, we preach love your wife like Christ loved the church. Okay, what does that require of me? You know, what what does that look like for me? Like, that means I... You know, maybe I'm not married. So I don't know what the married guys do. <laughs> but you know, like does you know, is that does that mean I wash the dishes or I cook supper that night or I fold the laundry or I put the kids to bed? You know, but yeah. what does that require of me? And that is actually, and that's where the transformative element comes because it's actually that question is going to look different for people, right? There's one meaning of the text, but there's many applications. And, and that's a different question than asking what does this text require in general? And then thinking about other people and other people's struggles. Mm -hmm. I'm very good at listening to a sermon and realizing what that requires of my wife Uh and my children and my friends and everyone else. But that's a profoundly different question. What does that require for me? And we should work hard enough on answering that question that it's specific enough to yes. me that I can do something about it today. Yep, yep. Exactly. Like, what does it require of me? And then do it. And then have it urgently. Like, if that's if God spoke on Sunday, and now I'm asking, what does the text require of me? That means that's what God requires of you. Very good. And there's an urgency in order to do, like, do not tarry, you know, in that, like, go and and you think about like Matthew 5 where you know Jesus talking about you know if you offer your gift at the altar um, and you remember that your brother has something against you leave your gift before the altar and go first be reconciled to your to your brother there's a sense of when God requires something of me like I need to go do what that is whether it's being reconciled or it's confessing a sin or or calling somebody I mean there's something that God requires of me from the text. And that, and you mm. can't escape that because the Scripture is comprehensive to life. And every text that is preached, you can't say, oh, that text doesn't require me, require me to do something. That's just not true. Like every text should, be, will, and does bear weight upon your life. Yeah. And it does require something of you. 
That's right. Mm -hmm. I think that's really helpful. One of the things that I'm kind of hearing us talk about here is, do we really believe that this is God's word? Mm. Think about, um, and I'll just pull the text up here in First Thessalonians. Like I said, we've been you know going through that. And you think about Paul writing to this church. Um, Paul had come to these people and preached to them. And he says, for this reason, we also constantly thank God that when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it, not as the word of men, but for what it really is, the word of God, which also performs its work in you who believe. And there's an element in faithful preaching. Not that everything we say is some inspired word from God that's, mm-hmm. that should be added to the scriptures. Yes. But there's an element in, in the faithful exposing of the text and the faithful applying the text and having it bear weight and witness on our lives. There's an element of this is God speaking. And the question is, do we receive it as such? Yes. Are we just receiving it as an opinion or are we, or are we receiving it as this is God's word and God himself is speaking to me? And he requires something of me. Mm-hmm. And it's not always to do something with our hands. That's right. Sometimes it's to do something with our minds. That's right. Um, to think differently mm-hmm. about mm-hmm. something we previously thought. I think I think that's a good a good thing to consider. Is my reaction and response to this sermon indicating whether or not I'm really receiving it as a word from God? Mm-hmm. Because that that, te- that verse you just read says, which is at work in you? Like God's mm-hmm. word is working by the power of his spirit in those that believe. And and I think you made such a good point. I think so many times people think application is do something, you know, be bad, you know, do something better, do something different. Um, but sometimes the application is simply behold your God. You know, that yeah. that's the application, you know, just, just cherish, run to Christ, yeah. you know, and, and, and that is... That is so important for us to understand that that sometimes, well, the requirement every time is to love God yeah, and cherish Him and enjoy Him forever. That is great. Brother, do you have any closing remarks, anything else you want to share on this topic? No, I think, um, I think just as we close, I'm thinking about 2 Corinthians 4, verse 2. You know, Paul says he refused to practice cunning. He refused to tamper with God's Word. Hmm. Um, And I think that is what we are to do. We are to cut it straight. We are to cut it clear. God, you know, I guess final parting thoughts uh, is God doesn't need an editor. You know, he he doesn't need, uh, he doesn't uh, need someone to um, defend his Word. He needs heralds. He needs proclaimers. And Let's not tamper with it. Let's preach it straight. Let's preach it clear. Yeah, it's really good. Well, brother, I really appreciate your time. I thought this was great. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. I hope you were encouraged if, uh, if you're listening to this still. Uh, thank you for tuning into this episode of the King Street Podcast. If you enjoyed it, let us know. Feel free to send us an email at info at kingstreetchurch.com or connect with us on Facebook or Instagram at Kingstreet Church. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. 
Stay tuned over the next couple of weeks as we continue to dive into this ever-important topic of spiritual disciplines for the Christian life. Until next time.